It was the Thursday when my story began. I recall it clearly. I've never felt the same about Thursday since that particular Thursday. There's something sinister about the word Thursday. I just finished a late shift at the bookshop. A sudden rush on Jane Austen near closing time had caused havoc with the classics section. By the time I'd extricated the Tolstoys from the Tolkins and reordered the Brontes, it was dark. Unusually dark, even for a damp October night. I locked up, as usual, helping myself to a Conrad on the way out, one of the perks of running a bookshop, you understand. The Heart of Darkness, first edition, was particularly apt for a night such as that. But then hindsight was a luxury ill afforded to me. I wandered through the dismal streets, exhausted from my literary exertions, the drizzle working its way through my outer coat and overcoat, into my middle coat and through to my undercoat. Conrad was clutched to my breast, safe and dry in its cellophane wrapper. It was then that the first pangs of hunger hit me. What I first perceived as distant thunder was in actuality my neglected stomach. I knew at once that I had to eat, and then, as if my very hunger had summoned it from its dark recess in hell, it appeared. Looming out of the misty darkness like some obscene testament to all that is unholy in global cuisine, Ali's Kebab Emporium. The giant elephant's foot of meat, center stage, rotating hypnotically, lit from below and glistening with globules of grease like an erotic stage act. A sane man would have fled. But I was rooted to the spot, transfixed by the shiny slavers of meat that lay pooled in congealed fat at the base of the column of swivelling flesh, tantalised by the prospect that further layers would be shed, possibly revealing a glimpse of what lay beneath. I felt the words come out before I was aware that my lips were moving. In a nervous fumbling, money changed hands, and a package was placed into my grasping fingers. Then, once again, darkness enveloped the spot where only minutes before the Emporium had stood. I was alone. I looked down, and there, clasped next to my heart of darkness, was a package of creamy paper the drizzle curiously avoiding it, so that it shone like a beacon in the dark, warm to the touch, seemingly pulsing with some inner power that I could not comprehend. How I wish now that I had seen the signs. Like a fool, a madman, I tore open the outer layers, letting them fool like confetti around me, and there it was. Exposed to the world, puffy, pale, pitter, steaming like the breath of a caged dragon, the very rain hissing and evaporating instantaneously as it dared to be within its vicinity. My kebab.
my sustenance, my nemesis, spewing forth a veritable salad that trailed behind me as I trudged. I knew I shouldn't, but I could hold back no longer. Hunger one. My jaws ached as they stretched beyond the limits they were designed for. Still, I didn't stop. Plunging forward, I connected with that vile creation and bit down. Sit down, please. Now, what were you thinking of having done? I'd like my hair cutting, please. Okay. Any any thoughts on the particular style? I was thinking shorter. Well, I think you're in luck. I should just mention that because of the pandemic situation, we've had to put a few extra precautions in place. I noticed. Well, we don't want you getting sick, do we? I've not had my hair cut over Zoom before. Well, it's pretty simple. Do you have the scissors there? Yes, here we are. Wow. Now that's a pair of scissors. Are those dressmaking scissors? Or I've got these. I think we'll go for the first pair. Nail scissors are a bit small for this job. So what we do then is you hold them up next to your head. Up a bit. Up a bit. Now near where your hair is. Yeah, up a bit. Up a bit. The hair on your head. Up a bit. Ah, so now just slide some hair between the blades. Are you going anywhere nice for your holidays? Ah, well, that wasn't quite what I meant there. Never mind. Is that blood? Is it? Not to worry. It'll grow back. Oh, I, I, I don't like the sight of Not blood. Not to worry there. Oh. So you probably want to go and get a plaster or something. You try not to worry. Oh. Have a plaster. <laughs> there, there. Hello? Ah, oh. hello? Well, nice talking to you. Bye. I bit down. Thunder. Real this time. Thunder roared around me. Lightning flashed her night to day. The drops of rain illuminated like a million sinister eyes. I swallowed hard. The flavor of the stuff indescribable. Any real properties obscured by a soaking of devilish sauce now dripping down my chin. I was lost for the moment. I devoured each foul morsel as if it were nectar from the gods. It would have taken me entirely had it not been for a fortuitous stroke of luck. A passing perambulator pushed at speed by a figure dressed all in white, my angel, drove the waters from a nearby puddle with force in my direction. Not knowing my peril, I swore violently, raising my fingers in her direction with the two-fingered salute of fury as the muddied waters fell from my cloak. I should have thrown myself at her feet and begged forgiveness. Then, perhaps, the consequences could have been avoided. Instead, I watched as the white shape proceeded into darkness, and it was not to be. 
While the rains never ceased to pour their contempt upon me, I reached my rooms without further incident. Precious time was lost entering as the key repeatedly slipped from the grasp of my greasy fingers. I entered the hallway, drenched to my very bones, shivering with cold, or perhaps my subconscious knew what was to come. I slipped out of my clothes and left them piled upon the floor in dank humiliation, clasped in my right hand with the remains of my half-devoured snack, oozing with thick red sauce like the blood of a hellhound split asunder. Why, oh why, did I not just cast it away into the abyss? The chance was there! But it was not to be taken. My heart of darkness lay sullied beneath the ruins of the kebab, the thin barrier of cellophane, no match for the evil that lay pressed against it. As I pried them apart, a scarlet stain was left impossibly beneath the sheath. Spreading out across that first edition cover like blossom in a hellish spring. I screamed out long and hard, knowing that my heart of darkness lay ruined now. The stench of long dead animal accompanying the crimson crime that cruelly covered its pages. <gasps> But it was not done with me yet. I voted don't know. I always do that. But I never expected him to become Prime Minister. And then there used to be this sign at the back. It said, if you can't see my mirrors, then I can't see you. That was when I worked in a mirror shop. I tell you, the chocolate was all melted. All melted. So I wrote to them, demanded a refund. But my lawyer says... The chances of anything coming from Mars are a million to one. Kick it! No! Kick it! Kick it! With your foot! Your foot! No! Your foot! Morning, boss. I've got the fixtures list. Let me see that. Oh, no, this is all wrong. Wrong? We played half of these games already. It's a new season, boss. Don't give me that. Come on, look at this. Hopton Town. Beat them last October. We have to play them again this year. What? 4-0, not enough a convincing scoreline for them. I don't think it's the score that comes into it. Come off it. Who else? Come on, kick it! Grasping Sodbury? No way. We've had that match, it's over. It's a cup match. It was decided unambiguously. What was the scoreline? 52-48 to us. I think that speaks for itself. It was abandoned at half-time. I don't recall that. Really? Twelve players were sent off. Mm, no. Nope. There were three deaths. Look, there was a match. The match was held. It was a clear and decisive result. Let's not dishonour the dead by dragging it all back up again. Kick it! Kick it harder! The other way! The other way! How about the Proxton Ticklers? Wasn't that 2-1? Yes. Decided by a penalty in the closing minute. Yeah. Do I have to say it again? Have I not made myself clear? It was 2-1 to them. Oh, I see. Well, uh, better book him in then. Come on, kick it! Kick it! Come in, take a seat. Uh, coffee? No, thank you. 
Help yourself to a mint. Don't mind if I do. So, retraining. Uh, was there anything specific you had in mind? I was hoping for some advice. Okay, well, what I can do is put your personal data into our new job recommendation algorithm and we'll see what it comes up with. Forgive me for being a little sceptical. Uh, we'll see how we go. So, tell me a bit about yourself. Not much to tell, really. I was based up in the Arctic for a number of years, but, uh, you know, declining need for the sort of work I was doing. I saw the writing on the wall, so I thought I'd relocate. So I applied for residency here, which I've now got. And what was your work in the Arctic? I was a polar bear. Okay, so, uh, previous occupation, marine mammal? Uh, I prefer charismatic megaphone. Reason for leaving. Uh, shall I put uncomfortable work climate? I would put ready for a change in environment. It might be some comfort to know that this is a very common problem these days. There's nothing to worry about. We had someone in the other day who was a complete fish out of water. They were literally a fish out of water, actually. Age? I'd prefer not to say, if you don't mind. Since our average lifespan is only 25 years, firms don't tend to see us as a long-term hire. So, under 25. Uh, hobbies? Uh, hunting? Fishing? Blood sports? Any qualifications or special skills? I store large amounts of vitamin A in my liver. Hmm. Not much call for that these days. Not much call. <sighs> do you want to do this whole man versus nature thing? Do you think that will play out well for you? Uh, uh, no. Need to get upset, Mr. Bear. I'm sure you have many valuable skills that are relevant in the current workplace. Uh, like... I can crush a human skull with one blow from my mighty paws. Excellent example. Excellent. Um, possibly not a customer-facing role. Uh, how are you with spreadsheets? I have a lot of experience with animals. Ah, that's good. Dismembering, mostly, and I'm very strong swimmer. These are excellent skills. And my keen sense of smell allows me to detect when someone trying to patronise me. Good. Uh, perhaps you'd be more comfortable not towering over me quite so much, Mr Bear. Um, let me... Let, let me just run the algorithm... Uh, and here are the recommendations for you, based purely on your responses, of course. So, oh, good God. Uh, primary school teacher? Interesting. Can't say Philip Pullman's not done something. Uh, cold store operative? Uh, you're not troubled by working with raw meat, are you? Quite the opposite. And swimming pool attendant. I see. And these suggestions have come from this computer that you have allowed yourself to be subjugated by. Yes. Shall I print them out? Well, Apex Predator, I will take your little printout. As a tall, under-25 white male, I am confident of a new post before long. And until you suddenly find yourself rendered obsolete by an inferior that has been sitting in plain sight all along, perhaps on the desk in front of you, you will be most welcome to come and visit me. In my job. At the swimming pool. Oh, it's so hard. I can just imagine all their little faces. They're all so cute. And they all want a new home. But it's so difficult to choose. Sorry, madam, but we really do need to close the poll booth now. Only one of them can get into number 10. Right. There we go. Against all reason, I am ashamed to report that I ate those cursed crumbs of cold kebab, devoured every drop. 
and then licked the cover of my prized possession. My heart of darkness, my first edition, lay licked upon my lavatory floor. Lying naked upon my bed, the tell-tale signs of my depravity were clear to see. The sheets were stained with grease and worse. Fetid leaves of limp lettuce lay strewn around my prone body. And finally, all was quiet. My humiliation complete. I succumbed to saintly sleep. A gurgle. Then silence. A rasping sound like the doors of a million fridges being opened simultaneously. And I was awake. But what new hell had been unleashed upon me? What punishment for my transgressions? My forehead streamed with a stinking sweat that blurred my vision. My head pounded with the intensity of a herd of wildebeest tap-dancing on top of an old oak blanket box. And my gut, oh my gut, the claws of Beelzebub himself tore into my sides and ripped through my flesh like a fork through cold custard, dragging myself from my foul pit of despair, I reached the safety of my porcelain palace, the gurgling from within, reaching a fever pitch of insanity as I placed myself upon my throne. My moment of triumph was short-lived, as my very innards emptied beneath me, gushing forth with the explosive power of a neutron bomb. I gripped the sides of my shiny white saviour, a halo of light from the bare bulb above me, illuminating my despair. There was no escape from this seventh layer of hell. My circle was opened, and I was plummeting. Over the hours that followed were brief moments of reprieve, but even they were tainted with misfortune, for, as I reached for my roll of trusty soft three-ply, I found no solace there, only a rough roll of card hanging on the wall. In desperation, my eyes searched the room for an alternative. Eventually... Coming to rest on the floor of the lavatory, my heart of darkness, my precious first edition, 
the pages tore easily as I besmirched their intent. The horror! The horror! And it was over. It had claimed another victim. Life would never be the same again. It's all about the correct pronunciation. Oh, uh, <clears throat> uh, this week's Nightmare at Bedtime was entitled A Man for All Seasons, closed November the 30th to May the 1st, inclusive, and was reduced and directed by John Thrower and mitten by Matt Nation and John Thrower. It was reformed by Matt Nation, Andrew Fletcher, Robert Finley, Lisa Thrower, Maria Finley, Alex Olivia, Verity Neves, Harry Burt and John Thrower. For a full list of credits and attributions, see our website at www.wearenotalone.co.uk Soon the world will yield to my power. We will have access to all the world's passwords. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. What is it? Can't you see I'm gloating? The door was unlocked, sir. Well, bloody well knock, will you? It's embarrassing. I'm afraid we're going to have to scale back on your plans a little. What? I'm afraid there are some practical considerations. Oh, are there? And if I disposed of you and replaced you with a different clone, would they be faced with the same practical considerations? Oh, yes, obviously. Right. I see. It's principally the infinite number of monkeys. What about them? It's too many. We're going to have to lose some. How many? Well, it's difficult to be specific. No, it isn't. It is. It's very easy to be specific. A hundred? That's how easy it is. I can lose a hundred. Well, that would still be an infinite number of monkeys. Well, no, because it would be a hundred fewer than an infinite number. Which is still an infinite number. How can it be infinite? I've just given you a hundred monkeys. How many more monkeys do you want, for goodness sake? I could give you a thousand monkeys. Is that enough? No. Good God, why am I surrounded by imbeciles? Rhetorical. You're bleeding me dry, man. How many monkeys? How many monkeys am I going to have to lose? An infinite number. An infinite number? Are you saying I can't have any monkeys? You better not be saying that I, that I can't have any monkeys. I'm going to be very upset if there are no monkeys. You can have any finite number of monkeys you like. That's better. How many monkeys can I have? It'll be fine as long as there are enough. A hundred monkeys. That's not enough. How am I going to guess all the world's passwords with only a hundred monkeys? Some of these passwords are five letters long, and they use both capitals and lowercase. A thousand monkeys? No! I want a million monkeys! A million monkeys! Right. How exactly are we going to feed them? I don't care. I've got some quotes back for the training. What training? The team who are going to train the million monkeys to use the typewriters. It's going to take a while. How long exactly? Well, with a training team of 500 men... A thousand years? Well, that's no good, is it? No. I mean, that's obviously no good. The monkeys will all be dead. So we're going to need a bigger training team. Right. So get me a million men. So that gets us down to six months. Six months? I want them in a month. Six million men. Oh, that will have to do. Start the recruitment immediately. Ah, you're still here. Did you stand on the landmine again? No, sir. The recruitment. 
Well, there's only me on it. Yes. Get on it. We have a very generous overtime scheme. Well, assuming I can find six million applicants... The Telegraph has a jobs page. If I take five minutes per interview... Five minutes? I want you to do it properly. I don't just want anyone training my monkeys. This is going to be an elite band of monkeys. I can't afford any slackers if there's only a million of them. I need you to filter out the wastrels. Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes, so that's about a hundred interviews a day. One hundred and sixty-five years. Well, you're going to have to do more hours. That's with twenty-four-hour working. I see. Then you're going to need more support. I would have thought that was obvious. This is trickier than I thought, this monkey business. I've got it. If you start out recruiting some helpers to help you recruit the trainers, and the trainers start working with the first set of monkeys, then by the time the second generation of monkeys come online, we should have enough recruiters to recruit the remainder of the trainers. Meanwhile, I'll get the food division to ramp up the catering to feed all these trainers and recruiters. So that's what, about 30 million men accounting for retirement, people leaving, an accidental falls into the shark tank. Oh, damn it, I'm going to need a bigger building. So how quickly can we get another million desks in? And so it was that the entire economy soon became dedicated to the raising, feeding and training of monkeys for no other purposes than typing at keyboard. Due to an unfortunate accident with an automatic cloak-folding machine, the evil genius at the heart of it all died a few months later. Soon, after a few generations of monkeys, no one could remember anymore why they were raising, feeding and training the large but finite number of monkeys. It was just the way things had always been. People wondered whether it wouldn't be more sensible to focus on something else other than the raising, feeding and training of monkeys. Something like making carbon dioxide, maybe, or moving slips of paper. They wondered why those who raised and trained monkeys had such huge salaries, while others, such as nurses or teachers, it was just the way things had always been. I'm sure there's a lesson in here somewhere. Which you are